These diving accidents are stressing me out, guys. I need to decompress. I'm Torn Atkinson. I hear working with James Cameron can be abysmal. I'm Kevin Leeson. They told me a change in atmosphere would do me good. Nine atmospheres? Not so much. I'm Jonathan Martin. This episode, the rate of descent may be rapid, and it may induce nausea. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda. It's the Caustic Soda Podcast! Yay! It's time to set the mics up. It's time for Tales of Woe. It's time to take the red pill on the Caustic Soda Show. It's time to do our research, unless your name is Joe. It's time to load the wiki on the Caustic Soda Show. To introduce our guest star, that's what I'm here to do. So it makes me very hungry to introduce to you, Jonathan Martin! But now let's get things started. Why don't you get things started? It's time to get things started on the informational, aberrational, strangulational, nauseational, strapped in for the Caustic Soda Show! To dive comes from Old English dufan, meaning to dive, or duck, or Wait, sink. Dufan, as in like the Prince of France? D-U-F-A-N. Oh. I don't know what no, the Prince of no, France no. no. uh, yeah. oh, oh, you're thinking of, yeah, yeah. Like the that Star Trek episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's I, the only I don't get that I knew. reference that's, at all. That's the only reason I knew what Dauphin meant, okay. means. <laughs> it was a Wesley episode of Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> as everyone knows, listening to this podcast, thalassophobia is the fear of the sea, mm-hmm. and hydrophobia is the fear of water. For this episode of Diving Accents, we have a special guest, Jonathan Martin. Thank you for having me. Uh, Jonathan, <laughs> what would be your bona fides? Oh, well, I, I've been diving for 17 years. I'm mm. a former scientific diver. Uh, what does that mean? You have to come up for air sometime, uh, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> it depends. I have a really long hose to my tank. Okay. So what is a scientific diver? In graduate school and undergraduate, I did a lot of uh, collection work, specimens, and uh, uh, we studied jellyfish in our lab in graduate school. So we did a lot of uh, in situ observations of the animals mm-hmm. out in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's certain different techniques used in scientific diving, some extra, extra training involved and uh generally a fun way to do your research. So that training involves uh, receiving checks from big business in order to lie about your findings, right? Well, I was actually in the Gulf of Mexico before the oil spill, oh. so uh, that came in afterwards. Oh, good, good. Mm. Yeah, just tell everybody those jellyfish were dead when you got there. <laughs> For types of diving, we have free diving. Oh, they, they, they don't charge you for that one. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And then we have Wait, very expensive I... diving is oh. another kind of... Uh, it's pretty much all diving. <laughs> Breath holding of all types, snorkeling, pearl divers, etc. Endurance is the length of time they can hold their breath. That's how long you can stay down. Which is how long? How long can can you hold your breath? Can I hold my breath? (gasps) (laughs) Boringest (laughs) podcast ever. All right, we're going on like eight seconds. That's all I can do. That's all I can say. I think the world well, record for like static breath holding, like something just sitting there on, on land and holding the breath, is like 14 minutes or something ridiculous oh, wow. like that. Torn can basically hold his breath the length of a bucking bronco exhibition. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Experienced freedivers can often go as deep as scuba divers. Mm. The activity that garners the most public attention is the extreme sport of competition apnea. Apnea meaning? Sleep. Interruption of breath? Yeah. Uh, uh, not... Breathing. A so, meaning to not 
and pneen, meaning to breathe. So if you are diving right near where old Hispaniola used to be, is that Cuba scuba? <laughs> Cuba diving. That was my breath. Cuba diving Gooding Jr.? No, scuba Gooding Jr. It's his uh, aquatic brother. <laughs> Were you timing that, Joe? No, but oh, okay. yeah, it's recorded. Uh, so it's about nine seconds then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything in the middle is going to be cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In which competitors attempt to attain great depths, times, or distances in a single breath. Since ancient times, free drivers were used to reclaim sunken valuables and to help aid military campaigns. Back then, free diving without the aid of mechanical devices was the only possibility, with the exception of the occasional use of reeds and leather breathing bladders. Mm-hmm. Leather breathing bladders. Say mm-hmm. that five times fast. <laughs> leather bleeding. I can't. <laughs> can't say it twice. No, I can't say it once, barely. <laughs> the divers face the same problems as divers today, such as decompression sickness and blacking out during a breath hold. And we'll, t- we'll talk more about all the horrible dangers. I wonder, I wonder how heavy an object they could send you down for, and whether or not it was just kind of like, let's get rid of this guy. Like It's like, oh, uh, bring up the Ship. Yeah, go down there and get a cannon. Get a get a cannon for us. We need that cannon back. Just hug it, and we'll send a line down afterwards. <laughs> yeah, Come precisely. On. Aquaman could do it. You, you got to start to suspect that maybe something he'll, is up. He'll get a whale to do it for him. <laughs> Whales can't grip things. He'll get yeah. a giant squid in the mm. mouth. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Even better. Another type of diving is surface supply in which air is supplied from the surface, either from cylinders, compressors, or other pumps. This can include old-fashioned hard hat suits. You know, the... Uh, the kind of one that you wear on stage the sometimes. Kind of the one uh, with the big brass helmets not, with the little windows on it. Not quite as big as the one you wear. Uh, and the modern equivalents, such as Kirby Morgan helmets. What's a Kirby Morgan helmet? It's, a, it brand, just... it's a brand name like Kleenex, I guess. Oh, right. But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, there's a, uh, you should put a picture up on the uh, the web page. Oh, we will. Typically, Costics they're yellow, are... made of like lighter weight materials like aluminum or, or fiberglass. And so, definitely go to causticsodapodcast dot com. You want that your burning needs to see what this helmet looks mm-hmm. like. Yep. Endurance is however long they want to stay down. Mm. Saturation divers can basically stay down for weeks at a time and live in a pressurized capsule in between work shifts on the sea floor. Is this the kind of diving you do mostly? Surface no. supply. No, I'm a scuba diver. That's weird, staying underwater for weeks at a time. Well, they don't actually stay underwater for weeks at a time. They stay at, at pressure. So right. they'll go down in a, in a closed diving bell to the work site yeah. and mm. uh, do their job, and then they'll get back in. They'll bring it to the surface, and they go inside a pressurized chamber, and they stay at that pressure for as long as they need to. It could be weeks. And no. there's, is there a negative impact by staying at pressure for extended periods of time? There are some... You have to listen to Billy Joel. Pressure! <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> Constantly, there's a lot of evidence of, of long term medical problems like long bone necrosis, where your your femurs and stuff will actually die. Oh, uh, it's yeah. it's still a lot of uh, evolving medical research. So they don't really know what's happening, but it is noticed a lot in uh, experienced uh, saturation divers. You don't nearly need your femurs once you're done with your work life, right? <laughs> yeah, typically these guys retire or go into support jobs by the time they reach about forty years old. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. But they can make a lot of money before that. Well, if you're trading your femurs for money, then uh, (laughs) I would expect to get paid quite handsomely. How much would you get? uh, How much would it take to buy your femur, like to make it useless for you? In my Um, wallet right now. (laughs) If I were, I have. have, I'm going to write you a check. I have thirty dollars and some subway stamps. Okay, how many subway stamps? Like three. Um, one of them is kind of. It's not even halfway to a free subway. Didn't they even get rid of those stamps? Yeah, I don't think they yes use or no. Anymore. <laughs> Answer the question, Kevin. I think I'll pass. I'll All hold right. up for a better offer. Okay. The surface supply is this also diving bells and stuff like that? Uh, modern diving bells. Yeah, they're usually deployed from a diving bell. Okay. How does a diving bell work? How does it make noise underwater? Dong. Yeah. Dong. Sound How travels it... faster underwater. Uh-huh. Mm. So you just strike it. 
Yeah. Like a normal bell. I guess so. But like lighter because you don't want to be too... When the divers are inside. I do like mm-hmm. the idea of hitting it on the outside with a sledgehammer while divers are inside and watching them vibrate like on Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would like to watch you try to swing a sledgehammer underwater. If I can ring a bell, I can swing a sledgehammer. That's science. A diving <laughs> bell is a rigid chamber used to transport divers to depth in the ocean. The most common types are the wet bell. That sounds really dirty. Is a cable suspended chamber open at the bottom. Mm. Uh, it really looked like a bell. This is lowered underwater to operate as a base or a means of transport for a small number of divers. The pressure of the water keeps the air trapped inside the bell. Yep. They were the first type of diving, diving chamber. The diving bell is not designed to move under the control of its occupants, nor to operate independently of its tether. Okay. So you can't just go tooling around the bottom of the ocean right, right. and yeah. diving bell, yeah. as much as fun as that sounds. Mm-hmm. You can, yeah, and this operates the same as if you took a bowl and put it in your tub and just pushed it underwater as long as it was upside down. And put down. like a couple gerbils in there with uh, nose plugs. <laughs> now, there are some submersibles that actually have like lockout chambers inside them. So it's essentially a mobile diving bell. So like an, some of the special ops subs will have a okay. chamber in the back. Divers will exit under pressure, leave, do their work, and then they'll go back inside, and then they have to kind of live in a pressurized chamber inside while they recompress. And then we also have the closed bell. So we have the wet bell and we have the closed bell. A sealed chamber locks on and off the chamber where the divers live by way of a closed door, sealing the divers in at pressure. Maybe used for mixed gas bounce diving? What does that mean? Um, a bounce dive is basically you, you don't need to worry about a lot of decompression. You go down quickly, do your work within like five or six minutes and then slowly get brought back to the surface and then they get let out of the bell and don't have to go into the, the decompression chamber on oh. deck. You have like a real ticking clock under those situations? Like you said, like, I got five minutes to get this done. And then if it's like takes you seven and a half, you're like, oh, I got to go decompression. Yeah. No, literally. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. And the reason that we do decompression is to is to not get the bends. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. okay. Once on the surface, the bell is mated with the chamber system. Woohoo. And the space in between is pressurized to enable the divers to make a seal and transfer through to the chamber, which is at the same pressure. In saturation diving, the bell is merely the ride to and from the job, and the chamber is the living quarters. If the dive is relatively short, a bounce dive, mm-hmm. uh, decompression can be done in the bell in exactly the same way it would be done in the chamber. Another type of diving. Muff clo- diving? <laughs> Muff diving. <laughs> Joe, you want to take this one? <laughs> Well, Torin, <laughs> when, when a person of indeterminate gender likes a woman. I haven't tried any of the other forms of diving. Right, muff diving is the only one that you've muff had Muff diving is the only one that I've experienced, but I still suspect it might be my favorite. Okay. What kind of suit do you use for that? <laughs> yeah, it's just a to... slicker. Just a, just a... He still wears a rubber suit. Yeah, Jeez. Yeah. Closed circuit diving, also known as rebreathers. The gases breathed are a closed loop with carbon dioxide absorbed by a granular chemical chemical compound and oxygen added back to the loop as it is depleted. What pulls out the farts? Mm. So it's like a scrubber kind of thing. It takes. Oh, I guess in... the farts don't go through. Yeah, those. unless you're farting through your mouth. <laughs> Fecklinemesis. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so it takes the bad uh, gases in and then scrubs it and then puts oxygen back out. Is that how it works? Yeah, there's a, a canister that the breathing gas gets. Uh, cycle through so there's a uh, two hoses one on each side of your mouth and mm-hmm. it's like a closed loop so you, you breathe out it goes around goes through this canister of granular material mm-hmm. uh, which absorbs the carbon dioxide and there's an oxygen sensor 
that uh, will add oxygen into the loop as it gets depleted because mm-hmm. you're not going to use all the oxygen in that loop every right. breath you take, right? You're only using a percentage of it. So every like three or four breath cycles going through, it'll inject a bit of oxygen is, into the loop. Oh, is that what okay. the police song is about? I didn't realize that every breath you take. Yes, it's that's not about, about oxygen. It's not about 100 percent oxygen depletion with every breath you take. I'll be I'll be watching you and the level of oxygen in your supply. <laughs> yeah, the little known outtakes. It's a song about the guy at the top lowering the diving bell to the person in the diving bell. It's actually a public safety announcement because you really should be watching that sort of thing all the time. There you go. (laughs) Thank you, Sting. Atmospheric diving suits, or ADS, or hard suits, Mm -hmm. these are largely the purview of salvage, oil field, and military diving and are essentially wearable submersibles. I prefer the term difficult suit. (laughs) Oh, as opposed to hard suit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Challenging suit. Yeah. Open circuit diving. Uh This is the standard scuba gear. Breathing gas is contained in a tank on the back and exhaled after each breath. Would you say this is the most common type of diving? This is definitely the most common type of diving. And I should say that it's not always on your back. I have a lot of friends that do uh, side mount diving where the tanks are slung under the arms. And they would probably uh, kill me if I neglected to mention it. Now, what's the Mm. advantage or disadvantage of the back versus the side mount tanks? Like, I would think... Because when I swim, I like, you know, flap my arms at my side that the side mount tank would be would create difficulty. Uh, this is uh, something that a side mount diver would evangelize on for hours. Okay. Um, there, are, there are definite advantages. I've tried side mount diving. Um, if you, can't bend, you can't bend your arms, though. Well, they're kind of back here. So you can, you can move your arms quite a bit. You have access to all your uh, valves right there oh, in front right, of you okay. as opposed to having to reach behind your head. Right. So, okay. no, you can wear four or five or six tanks. I like just to side. bring a, a, a canister caddy. <laughs> I'll let yeah. him take care of all my like a sherpa a dive sherpa yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you're like one of those little old guys that like wheels his oxygen tank next to him in the old age <laughs> yes. home you'll know. be just like that on the ocean floor Torn refuses to swim he just walks on the ocean floor carrying his oxygen next to him well the nice thing about side mount is that if you're doing like cave diving or wreck diving then you can actually take the tanks and push them ahead right. of you through that tiny aperture through that tiny little hole more as opposed to fighting you mm-hmm. yeah as opposed to having to you know get try and get through and banging your tank valve on the, the wall, oh, the okay. cave above you. And when you swim in the sea and an eel bites your knee, that's, that's a moray. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd thought of it. When you said dive Sherpa, I immediately brought to mind the idea of uh, St. Bernard's with uh, oxygen canisters around their necks. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I don't know nice. why that... Because it's funny, because when Jonathan said, uh, bang your tank valve, I just thought that that was a euphemism. <laughs> that was a euphemism for divers when they get together, right? <laughs> Added to my vocabulary. I'd like to bang his <laughs> tank valve. Oh, you must have like a helium component to your oxygen vents. <laughs> no, that was just my earnest uh, 1940s guy. It's just yeah. nerdy talking about other people, voice. Hey, <laughs> check that out. With scuba gear, endurance can be quite long depending on how long the cylinders of gas are carried and made available. A typical sport diving excursion with a standard aluminum scuba cylinder is in the range of 40 to 70 minutes in B.C. waters, you added to that sentence. What does that mean? Why is that important? Uh, people tend to use more air in cold water, a couple of reasons. Um, oh. Some people say that you know you will use more air because you're shivering and that sort of thing if you're cold. But also we carry a lot more gear. Uh, oh, like in cold waters. There's a lot like mm. bulky dry suits and wetsuits. Um, you, know, you tend to exert yourself a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So you tend to go through uh, a bit more air. If you were in the tropics, you could probably stay on quite a bit longer. Yeah, it's, uh, when you're in the tropics, you got the old like speedo situation going on. You got no drag. That's a mental image. I'll be getting at it in my head yeah. for a week. Diving <laughs> dangers, marine life, that's shark a, attack. That's a moray. Callback. Moray mm-hmm. eels. Yeah. 
Jellyfish. Yes. I used to work on jellyfish, and I got like one sting on my wrist once. Right. Oh. And everybody else got like covered in welts. Mm, I was just really, really mm. scared of them. Mm-hmm. You've never been attacked by lionfish? Uh, I've seen lionfish in Cuba where they're not supposed to be. Oh, what? Yeah, they're an invasive legal, species. Legal aliens. They're a Pacific, <laughs> Pacific species, and they've been taking over the Caribbean and Gulf of Mexico. Oh, really? It's a real problem. Oh, How do they that. get there? Uh, they've genetically traced back all of the animals now to like eight individuals that escaped or were released oh, from Florida Jesus. in the 80s. Oh, nice. Wow. Flush them down the toilet and show up in Cuba. So it's okay because they're all totally inbred. Oh, yeah. Right. A <laughs> bunch of mentally challenged <laughs> jellyfish. <laughs> Lionfish. Lionfish. Thermal problems. Hypothermia. Call back to the shipwrecks episode. Uh-huh. Also, hyperthermia. What's that? Is that when you just have too much long underwear on? Hyperthermia uh, in BC would be putting all your gear on and having to walk down a, lot, a big trail in the hot summer sun. Oh, okay. Yeah, you wouldn't get hyperthermia underwater here. But you could in a warmer climate? Uh, yeah, in theory. I mean, usually it's going to be people who are you know, on a boat and getting sunstroke. You're right. generally yeah. not going to get it underwater. Yeah, because it's kind of a natural cooling agent, I hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the water would have to be hotter than your body temperature, I guess, or or almost as close. Ooh, boiling. Water. Just don't go into boiling water, people. Well, boiling diving is a new extreme sport. <laughs> your temperature is not boiling. <laughs> yeah, but above it would be boiling. It'd be like the frog. But there are temperatures above you that are not boiling. That's what I'm saying. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> that's true. Okay. You are very warm. <laughs> Drowning. Usually happens as a result of running out of air. Yeah, when you're Usually, underwater. Yeah. What are the what are the other ways it's kind you can of the drown? Definition of drowning can also happen if an incorrect gas mix is used, causing the diver to pass out either from lack of oxygen or to seize. Oh, I see. As a result of too much oxygen. Yeah, oxygen is actually toxic in high partial pressures. So, oh, what, like if in, you're in what kind of pressures? Partial pressures. What so does that mean? That means the actual um, pressure of the gas in a mixture. Okay. In space, for example, they can use 100% oxygen because they're only pressurized to like one-third of atmospheric pressure. Okay. You can breathe pure oxygen on the surface, and you'll be fine. And you can breathe pure oxygen down to a depth of about 20 feet or so, Hmm. deeper than that, and oxygen becomes toxic. And Hmm. it will put you into uh, convulsions, and you can then spit out your regulator, breathe in water, pass out and right. drown because oh. you have no control of your bodily functions Got it. and when you're when you're going down deeper actually like you can only really dive on air compressed air down to about 200 feet maximum uh then you should start mixing in lower concentrations of oxygen like so like a bottom mix for really deep diving will be as low as like seven percent oxygen what I are the other gases uh helium yeah they will put oh. helium it's a gas called trimix which is basically air and then helium so I can't oxygen, recall the actual. Oxygen, nitrogen, and helium. Yeah, they want to reduce the nitrogen uh, to reduce narcosis, which right. we'll get into a bit later, I guess. Well, so uh, basically, oxygen kind of turns into a bit of a dick at deeper at deeper levels. It's true. Oxygen, you temperamental motherfucker. This is why you should all, always uh, dive with a buddy. There's many reasons why you should always dive with a buddy. Dive buddy. Dive buddy. Dive buddy and me. Uh, in a catastrophic air supply failure, we rely on the buddy system to stay safe. Uh, or a completely redundant air supply. This is called a pony bottle. That's one thing that they're called, yes. What else are they called? And why are they called a pony bottle? I, I think it's because they're actually carried, like, slung on your side. Okay. Right? Like like you'd have, like, a saddlebag or something. That, that's oh, all I, I can figure. I've Yeah, I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find it. It's just one of these colloquialisms. I the diver would know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I, divers don't know. I don't know everything. Maybe just because <laughs> when you do need it, you need it in an express fashion. Right. Mm-hmm. What else would they call it besides a pony bottle? Uh if it's carried on your person, it's a pony bottle. If it's left on a line for like decompression oh, or something, I it's see. called a stage bottle. 
Oh. Mm. Even if a diver can make an immediate ascent after running out of air, the following two things can happen. All right. Decompression sickness, a.k.a. the bends. This is where you can't bend over any longer. Oh, no, that's the opposite is true. Oh. As you breathe air at pressure, excess nitrogen dissolves in the blood. If the diver ascends too rapidly, then the gas comes out of solution faster than the body can remove it. Illustration, opening a bottle of soda fast versus slowly. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah, yeah. The longer you spend at a given depth, the more nitrogen can build up in the blood. Divers who spend time at great depths have to spend longer coming to the surface. Bubbles can lodge in the blood almost anywhere, causing pain. Okay. Sometimes pain in the joints. Divers would find their joints hurting, causing them to bend their limbs. Oh, I see. Unusual fatigue, vertigo, blurred vision, hearing or speech impairment, paralysis. Okay. It's a big one. Uh, loss of unconsciousness, not advised underwater. Uh, <laughs> breathing difficulties and death. In extreme cases, like if, the, if there's a really catastrophic case of the bends, the bubbles in the bloodstream can actually cause clotting within the blood vessels. Also bad. Which is really bad. Basically yeah. be a stroke. I like my blood Many strokes. stay yeah. kind of liquidy. I find that it's more, it's more useful in liquid form in my body. Have you ever had any bends? I have not had the bends. Is it common? Or, or it was, the science is so good at it now, we're very good at avoiding it's it. It's not common in recreational diving. Right. It gets more common in commercial diving. Right. I don't, I've met a number of commercial divers, and almost all of them have had the bends at Just least Just because once. they go fo- so far down. They so go long. so far, there's, there's less margin for error, and often there's, sometimes they have poor safety practices, depending on, on where they're, they're working. And uh-huh. um, sometimes you just got to get work done, or sometimes they have to, they bring them up quickly and they have to run into a, de- a recompression chamber rather than getting mated to it with the diving bell. So, you know, these oh, things can all happen. That is like the worst 10 feet ever, right? I mean, that you wouldn't do that if, if it was like, you know, real saturation diving, but on a bounce dive, you might do it. I don't think it's okay. you know, done now, but it, you know, definitely has happened in the past. Treatment is by hyperbaric oxygen therapy in a recompression chamber. If treated early, there is a significantly higher chance of successful recovery. Yeah, and again, depending on the depth, you're not going to want to bring somebody down back down to like you know 200 feet and give them oxygen therapy because again, the partial pressure right. is an issue. But if you know when they're up to the 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 shallower depths, when you can give them increasingly high oxygen concentrations in the gas mix, um, the higher the oxygen concentration, uh, the faster the nitrogen will be removed from your body because oh, you're okay. not adding any more. So it sounds like a delicate ballet of of gases and and time. There's a lot of science. <laughs> they told me that, I would have never started doing it. <laughs> you can also have a lung overexpansion injury. Ooh. Boyle's Law states that at a given temperature, the volume of a gas increases as the pressure decreases. So it's called Boyle's Law because your blood boils? Well, it's spelled B-O-Y-L-E. Mm. So yes. Oh, but it's, it's Boyle's. Yeah, but it's spelled old-timey. That's what That's they right. spelt it back That's in right. the old days when they had the diving bell and the giant brass helmets. If you held your breath after breathing from a scuba, scuba cylinder at 33 feet and then swam to the surface, going from two atmospheres of pressure to one, uh-huh. the air in your lungs would expand to twice its volume. Breathe out. Is this good or bad? That's bad. So, like, you, what, your lungs, like, pop like a balloon kind of thing? They, they, they try to take up twice as much space in your chest. Yeah. I imagine that's got to go somewhere. That would hurt. This so, but, why, then, but if you're holding your breath, why don't you just let it out? Well, you should. You should let it out. Okay. Do. Okay, that public service announcement. <laughs> Let it out. That's, that's what that's what that mo- that song in Frozen is yeah. all about. Diving. Let it out. Let it, Let it, it out. out. Don't <laughs> let your lungs burst through your chest. <laughs> Let it out. Let it out. You're gonna tear that vest. There are three types of lung overexpansion injuries. 
air embolism, mm-hmm. also called arterial gas embolism. Mm-hmm. As the air in the lungs expand, it forces through the lung lining and into the bloodstream where they can lodge, blocking blood flow. Mm-hmm. Often this happens in the brain and oh. can produce some symptoms similar to a stroke. Ah, there you go. Joe called it. Other symptoms include bloody froth from the mouth, Boop. breathlessness, coughing, personality changes. What? Joe, you're very conciliatory today. <laughs> <laughs> Are you having an air embolism? <laughs> Maybe. And respiratory slash cardiac rest. Then there is mediastinal emphysema. Mediastinal. Mediastinal emphysema. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Expanding air lodges in the chest cavity. Oh, so outside the lungs? Outside the lungs. Oh, how does it get from the lungs to your cavity? I think it can get forced like through the, through. Like, oh, because you know, like if once the uh, the the lung starts to let air out, like you know, you burst the little uh, oh, like lung pop, tubes. Pop-a-seam? I can't remember what they're called. Papasim. Papasim. Yeah. No, it it can either get forced into the bloodstream, right. it, uh, going through the small capillaries, or it can actually get through the outer wall and then get into the chest cavity. Oh, well, it would look like you had like pretty sweet pecs, though, right? If you had like, you know, <laughs> yeah, wow, like you know when you squeeze a balloon. And you can turn it like it like you know puffs out in certain spots. You're right. basically talking about doing this with your chest. I was thinking more like those little toys you get where you squeeze the ball and the eyes bug out. Ah, that kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. Signs include cyanosis. Who remembers what cyanosis is? Uh, it's where you turn blue. That is where you turn blue. Oh, nice. Go. First go. in the lips and fingers, typically. Pain of the breastbone, shortness of breath, and breathing difficulties. Mm-hmm. Then there's subcutaneous emphysema. Oh. Expanding air accumulates under the skin, around the neck, and collarbone. Oh, I thought it was under your cuteness. Under your cuteness, yeah. yeah. Wherever you keep that. Yeah. Signs in- I store mine all over. <laughs> <laughs> Signs include fullness, quote-unquote, in uh-huh. neck area, voice changes, oh. Oh. neck swelling, <laughs> difficulty swallowing, and a crackling sensation on when the skin is moved. This is referred to as Rice crispy neck. <laughs> it's true that's, oh. that's how it was taught to me that's how a lot of divers refer to it as rice crispy neck oh. <laughs> if you think like there's a lot of that connective tissue in, in there oh. right. it's gonna be like the air is gonna be shifting back and forth if you were to press on it that is and... the most disturbing thing so far for me uh, <laughs> it's, 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 my imagination has grabbed hold of that it, it would be like having bubble wrap Yes. Right. Underneath yeah. your skin. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it popped every time you, like, turned your neck or whatever. I mean, it's a really good way of remembering what to look for because it has really, it's really unambiguous symptoms. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, popping in your neck. Well, there's popping in my neck. What could that be? Uh, so yeah. many choices. <laughs> uh, if there were snapping and crackling, I would know that it was Rice Krispie neck, but there's only popping, so. <laughs> and then lastly, there is pneumothorax. Pneumo, pneumothorax. It's pneumo, yeah. Mm-hmm. If the air from an overexpansion injury forces its way between the lung and the chest wall, it can collapse the lung. That makes sense because you yeah. put pressure on the outside of the lung. Bada bing, bada boom. Collapse. And then, as we mentioned before, if if you get that air in that space between the lung and the chest wall at a lower depth, and then you come up, it expands uh-huh. and it's going to push your lung even more. Yeah. I should point out that this is a good reason to go get your if you're if you're a diver already like a recreational diver or even an advanced scuba diver to go into your rescue diver course because you will learn all these things. Mm. Uh, Caustic Soda Podcast is not a substitute for a dive medical no. training. We hand out no certificates whatsoever. <laughs> We've claimed many times that we are not experts, nor do we claim to be. So that is lung overexpansion injuries. Okay.
Here's my blue jacket answering me. Now I'd like to talk about nitrogen narcosis. That's what all the kids are into these days. Yeah, Mm. I know. It's like whippets. Dude, I'm totally going to get some nitrogen. The nitro narc. Jacques Cousteau called this the rapture of the deep. (laughs) Overly poetic knack for everything, didn't he? I was about to say. (laughs) Many gases, including nitrogen, have a narcotic effect at high partial pressures. Mm -hmm. For a diver breathing compressed air, it typically starts to be felt at about 100 feet down. Yeah, about that. It depends on the person and the various conditions. There's really no hard and fast rule. And the effect is similar to being drunk. And like alcohol intoxication, it can have an effect of situational awareness, uh, risk management, decision-making, and coordination. And I love you manisms. Right. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot of that Except when you have a regular in your mouth. Goes, <laughs> <laughs> you have to do sign language. It's very awkward. There's a lot of back padding and like rubbing of shoulders. Or writing on those little underwater boards. <laughs> I love you man. <laughs> The deeper one goes, the more pronounced the effect. Divers sometimes refer to the martini effect. All right. Whereby okay. each 33 feet slash one atmosphere is the equivalent to another stiff martini on an empty stomach. Now, oh. the best of my knowledge, this hasn't been tested experimentally. Okay. Right? <laughs> well, want me to find <laughs> out. This is Anecdotal. A, yeah, colloquial term. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Can cause tunnel vision. Okay. Often a contributing factor in diving accidents, especially at depths greater than recreational scuba diving. And by tunnel vision, we mean you can see clearly when you're in a tunnel from that point forward. I think so. It's kind of like a superpower. Cave divers are great that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To sport diving, a diver experiencing narcosis can simply come a few feet shallower, and the effects will begin to lessen immediately. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty much instantaneous. God, I wish that would happen when I was actually drunk sometimes. Right. You know, I'm just going to go like, higher up. I'm just going to get a stepladder out here, and I'm going to feel better <laughs> about three feet later. Yeah. Well, have you ever had nitri- uh, like nitrous oxide from a paramedic? Have you ever injured yourself like that? No. No, no but I stay no. at home and stay out of the bathtub, which is the most dangerous part of my home. <laughs> <laughs> we can confirm this. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're taking nitrous oxide, it's a similar effect. And uh, as soon as you take that mask away from your face, like immediately you start to, to sober up and feel that pain right. again. So that, oh, that's okay. why paramedics give it to you because it can get at your system very quickly. Past the recreational scuba depths, divers can combat the effects by using special gas mixtures, which replace varying amounts of nitrogen with inert gas like helium. Uh, yeah, so when Trimax, when Trimax um, uh, came onto the diving scene as a new innovation, uh, divers reported that they felt way more aware of everything like everything was clearer they weren't they weren't the hazy. fog of diving war <laughs> yeah well they, they were used to functioning under this because you know you when you're only diving air you just kind of have to to learn what like narcosis is like and kind of right. deal with it but when they started switching to trimix it was like a revelation they could see everything really clearly and they just started raving about it i mean trimix is really expensive so that's you know part of the uh, uh the downside to it it typically costs about a 100 bucks for a, a large 
cylinder. How, yeah. many, how many dives could go? How many? How long could I stay down with that? Uh, you actually will decompress less. You'll have to spend less time decompressing. Oh, I see. Right. So that's a benefit as well. Yeah, there's a note here saying that in uh, that they use uh, heliox, which is a trimix without any nitrogen in it, and uh, they often recycle the expensive helium component. Heliox sounds like uh, someone in that Marvel um, no. villains of the of the the uh... heliox is the giant bull that carries the sun around yes, the sky. That is exactly <laughs> what it is. Okay, okay. High pressure nervous syndrome or HPNS results when a oh. diver descends. I hate it when I get HPNS. I'm cranky for a whole week. <laughs> it results when a diver descends below about 500 feet while breathing a helium-oxygen mixture. I've never felt it before. I've never been below like 120 feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's typically, dark, it's dark and scary down there. <laughs> I'm surprised you got that far. Well, in Vancouver this time of year, it's dark and scary below 30 feet. Oh, okay. It's a big yeah. plankton bloom this time of year, so it's mm-hmm. really dark. Oh. Bloom and plankton. <laughs> plankton bloom, one of those things that sounds like a lot better than it is. It's true. The effects depend on the rate of descent and the depth. Symptoms include tremors, myoclonic jerking. Oh. Any guesses? Saturday night with Joe. <laughs> <laughs> this is sudden involuntary muscle con- contractions. Oh, yeah. That sounds like. <laughs> Drowsiness, visual disturbance, nausea. Dizziness and decreased mental performance. Uh-huh. HBNS has two components: one resulting from the speed of compression, i.e., how fast the descent, and the other from the absolute pressure. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The compression effects may occur when descending below 500 feet at rates greater than a few minutes, a few meters per minute, but reduce within a few hours once the pressure is stabilized. The effects become significant at depths exceeding a thousand feet. Nobody goes down there. Uh, what commercial divers? routinely go to like a thousand feet what are they doing at a thousand feet what is what commercial enterprise is going on at a thousand feet welding. is there a mcdonald's down there is there a starbucks or something like what what is happening commercially pipe fitting welding right like uh, uh pipelines and, and wellheads that sort of thing are difficult to do with remotely operated vehicles and, and submersibles um plus a diver is actually cheaper sometimes than you know having all that equipment out there um and these are the saturation divers come into play oh thousand feet I mean, how long would it take you to get down a thousand feet? You'd probably be a while. A while. Yeah. Like I, I can't even you, walk a thousand feet. How do you, how do you <laughs> much carry, less dive? Yeah. Like you need to. How, how do you carry that much oxygen? Or is that where the, the that's the surface supply? supply. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or the so diving you, belt. You typically. can't be using tanks when you're going a thousand feet. It has been done. There have been a couple of world record attempts, uh, a couple of world records that have been set. People diving down to a uh, thousand feet, like scuba on diving. Scuba diving. Oh wow! <laughs> the tank is so big; it's like the size of a submarine, and you have to strap the guy into it, like while it's in the water, and then you just let it go, and that's how it gets down to a thousand feet. But typically, those just, guys like, will drags have... him to the bottom of the yeah, ocean. Yeah, it's like the opposite of up. <laughs> yeah, instead of balloons, <laughs> yeah. it's all these <laughs> rock <Gas> tanks. <laughs> typically, they'll have like the bottles. That's where I talk about stage bottles. Mm-hmm. They'll have uh, uh, scuba cylinders on the downline as they go down, and they'll have several different mixes for different depths. So they'll mm-hmm. have like you know two tanks in the back with a certain type of mixture then a couple of side mount tanks and you know three or four side mount tanks maybe one hanging behind them mm-hmm. and they'll just go down to a certain depth you know spend like 30 seconds or a minute there enough to clinch the record and then they'll start coming up so like a bounce dive to a thousand feet on scuba uh the diver would typically be in the water decompressing for like 12 hours after the fact jesus christ oh, just, just to spend like you know a minute or two now what if you get hungry feet. 
Uh, some people use those little goo pouches or like energy bars, and they'll just you know keep them sealed until they go down. And I've... then they just poo in their in their uh, scuba suit. Well, no, Delightful. yeah, no, you just fe- <laughs> no. Dry suits do have pee valves. Oh, oh. Yeah. So the, a male diver will wear a condom catheter, and there's like a little valve, and you see a diver like reaching down to unscrew something on their thigh, and it's like they're just sitting there taking a leak. Oh, warming stop. up, you know. Yeah. Some divers wear depends, but there's a lot more dignity with a condom catheter. Okay, yeah. uh, it's, it's relative, really. Torn, really, when you're diving to a thousand feet, you just fear. You're just feeding on fear and misery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I've heard a lot of divers actually will take like a uh, paperbacks down with them and just like tear off the pages as they finish reading. Oh, because they'll spend like you know 30 minutes at a single decompression stop and then move to the next decompression stop. And... I thought it'd be those those like bathtub books that you have for kids. Oh, the, they can the classic the ones. Yeah, yeah, I've read this through 17 times already. It's so boring. I know what happens to the dog. <laughs> no we... spoilers. They, they should start listening to podcasts down there. Mm-hmm. Bring yeah, some caustic soda down to a thousand mm-hmm. feet. I'd like to hear about that. Yeah. Mm. But then you can't hear the dolphins chirping to warn you about the shark behind the dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next on the list is isobaric counterdiffusion. Say it with me. Isobaric counterdiffusion. Or ICD. Mm-hmm. Occurs in the realm of deep mixed gas diving operations. Isobaric counterdiffusion is the physiologic effect of diffusion of different gases occurring in opposite directions while under a constant ambient pressure. Okay, that's a mouthful. Superficial ICD occurs when the inert gas breathed by the diver diffuses more slowly into the body than the inert gas surrounding the body. Like a commercial diving bre- diver breathing air in an environment using a heliox mix. So what does this mean? Uh, it means you all of a sudden get severe vertigo. Oh, okay. Yeah, you have oh. no sense of balance, and, and that's important when you're trying to hold on to things like downlines to maintain and, your position in the water. And you want to know which way is the surface and which way is the bottom? You want to not be doing any sudden changes in depth. Uh, depth. That was a Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> so ICD has been suggested as the basis for inner ear decompression sickness, where gas bubbles forming in the inner, inner ear can cause intense vertigo and loss of balance. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right, now it's time for a new segment in Caustic Soda. Oh, Shitty job. Shitty job. Shitty job. Shitty jobs. Compressor diving is a method of surface supplied diving used in some tropical sea areas, including the Philippines and the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Divers swim with a half mask and often homemade fins and are supplied air by plastic hoses from an industrial low pressure air compressor. There is no reduction valve. What's a reduction valve? Uh, so we need to reduce the pressure. And so you put balsamic in it, and it makes your food tasty. Ah. Mm-hmm. The diver holds the hose end in his mouth with no demand valve or mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. The compressor is on a boat above. So are you basically like putting a garden hose in your mouth? <laughs> like yeah. That's yeah. Your, it's your surface supply line? And there's an air compressor on the on the surface on a boat or whatever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if, it, uh, if this air compressor like surges, you know, gets a power surge or whatever, it just blow your lungs out? If several people are compressor diving from the same boat, several line tenders are needed in the boat to stop the airlines from getting blocked by tangles and kinks. So is this some um, basically... Tangles and kinks? Like the... Uh, <laughs> the diving version of back in the day when you had dial-up and if everybody in your neighborhood did it at the same time, you're like, <laughs> your you're surfing would slow to a crawl. Your mom picks up the receiver and you can't breathe anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Compressor diving is the most common method used to fish for a Caribbean spiny lobster in the Caribbean. Uh, however, it is illegal because it contributes to overfishing, is environmentally destructive, and is harmful to the health of the fishers. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Compressors allow fishers to fish in deeper waters for longer periods of time, facilitating reef damage as fishers search for lobsters hidden underneath corals and other living refuges. Mm -hmm. 
The misuse of compressors has also resulted in health problems for many fishers, such as respiratory problems, limb paralysis, and death due to decompression illness. Mm-hmm. Compressor diving of the Pa'aling divers in the Philippines was featured in episode one of the BBC uh, series Human Planet. You watch this uh, on YouTube, and we'll post a link to the video so you guys can see what the horrible, horrible things. Well, in this particular case, it uh, probably should have been called Human Didn't Planet Well. <laughs> mm, oh, I see. <laughs> Gotta stop laughing at his jokes. <laughs> no, that one was okay. okay. Can't help yourself. <laughs> Can't help yourself. I think at the end of that segment, they stated that two of the divers had the bends. Okay. From that, from that one expedition. I mean, they don't they don't have any dive computers or dive tables because no. typically you'll use a computer which uses an algorithm to gauge how long you've been down, and it tells you how much longer you should stay at this depth before you start to move up right. uh, to avoid getting the bends. That's been a relatively recent thing in, in diving, mm-hmm. but it's really important. Right. Um, you know what, though? If you have two divers who get the bends simultaneously, you can just strap them together and make one whole person, right? <laughs> like if they're L-shaped, you just like strap them at the L right. parts. You have the legs of one like sticking straight the top of the other, and you got uh, one normal human again. <laughs> how, when you have to, when you ascend, mm-hmm. how, what's the deepest you've ever gone? Uh, 120 feet. 120 feet. Did, and did you have to go up slowly? You always have to go up slowly. They recommend no faster than like uh, 30 feet per minute. Okay. So do you go up all slowly at once or do you go up to a certain amount and then wait there for a while and then go up at a certain amount? Typically in sport diving, you won't be doing a decompression stop per se. Okay. Uh, If you're going deeper for longer, typically there'll be one or more decompression stops where you hang out for a little while. Usually the timer on your dive computer tells you, counts down the time and Mm -hmm. lets you know when you can go up again. You know, the cool part about that is you kind of feel like you're in an action movie in the third act. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, it's like take eight, nine, yeah, your heart's being bum, bum, In bum, sport bum, diving, bum, typically bum, you want to have like uh, a safety stop. They, they, it's kind of standard practice, and they usually say it's about uh, five meters, five or six meters. And you'll just kind of hang out for three minutes at 18 feet okay. or so and uh, look at the fish, right. stretch, you know, review your camera footage. Now, if I'm going down at a certain speed and I don't spend any time at the bottom, I just stop and then go right back up. Do I have to go up slower than I go down or can I go up the same speed I came down? The rule of thumb is you generally go up slower than down. I guess there's no maximum physiological limit to how fast you can go down, but most people have to take their time to equalize and, you know, you know, pinching your nose and blowing into your sinuses to make sure the pressure is equalized. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, typically 60 feet per minute is a kind of a standard descent. Okay. You know. I can do that. Going up. <laughs> yeah. Honduran lobster divers, mm-hmm. they go at least 100 feet to catch red gold. Oh. That's lobsters. Oh. Mm, yeah. Not gold. It's not gold. Okay. They dive too often, making 15 dives a day for two weeks straight. What? Whereas, That's a lot of diving. Whereas mm-hmm. just two or three trips every 24 hours is considered safe. I didn't know that. So there's only a certain amount of dives you can do in a 24-hour period that's considered safe. Why? Well, as long as I mean, as long as you're probably in your... gas buildup and all that jazz, right? Yeah, I mean, it takes a long time for the gas to come out of your system. Oh, okay. Um, like typically, when we're diving, it's like two dives a day. If you're on like a, a dive trip and the the charter operator is spacing the dives out throughout a long day, you can do as many as four or five. Okay. It depends on the gas mixture. If you're diving air, then you'll be able to do fewer um, mm-hmm. at, a, at a given depth. Or if you're diving nitrox, which is enriched air. Uh, that will have uh, less nitrogen in it and more oxygen. So you can actually stay down longer and get in, in more dives in a day that right. way. Many Honduran divers become paralyzed or disabled from the effects of diving in an unsafe and unregulated industry. Mm-hmm. Those who use scuba equipment, many use old tanks without gauges to tell them how much air is left in the tank. Often that with, is important information. Yeah, in, their defense, air, yeah. in their defense, that is important information. Well, back in the old days before pressure gauges uh, were really common, 
they used what's called the J valve on the tank, and it had a long handle running down the side of the scuba tank attached to a little lever on the valve. And when the pressure got too low, it would get hard to breathe. Um, and that's that was a, your that's sign. a good indicator. It's a good indicator. <laughs> then what you would do is you would pull this reserve valve, this little lever on the side of the tank. The J valve. The J valve. Uh-huh. And uh, that would release that remainder of, oh, of the pressure. In, so you like, know you have a certain amount of time. And that's when you'd start coming up to do right. your, your right. air scent. Oh, okay. yeah. right, right. Those aren't used anymore. No, that sounds like a, uh, a non-specific way to gauge how much oxygen you have left in your It's like your backup battery, except it's the backup battery for your life. (laughs) It's it's like the low fuel gauge on your car. Mm. I drive around for a long time with that flashing light going on. I would not do that with my J-valve. Almost all Honduran divers uh, suffer from the bends. I assume those are the ones who use scuba deer. Can you get the bends from free diving? Uh, You can. I don't know the exact conditions that that cause it, but I'm informed that, yes, you can get the bends free diving. In sponge diving in the Mediterranean Sea, mm-hmm. the diver would carry a scandalopetra. Scandalopetra. Who it's knows rock, what that is? It's a rock something. Petra it is, is a rock. rock. You are correct. What? Rock, rock wrapped in phyllo pastry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> High fives. <laughs> Pow. That would hurt my teeth. <laughs> a hydrodynamically shaped marble or granite stone between 8 and 14 kilograms. Uh-huh. So they so just That's how they stay down. That's their ballast. That's so how they would get down. Okay. They just grab this rock and jump in and not expend any energy by swimming down. Yeah. <laughs> Why use your arms and legs like a sucker? <laughs> <laughs> Greek sponge divers worked at depths of 100 to 200 feet, staying underwater for two to three minutes on a single breath. Avoiding the wow. occasional shark. At least you have a rock to throw at that shark. That's true. You know, if a shark comes towards you, you're, you're weapon ready. You do the old uh, <laughs> the rancor monster thing where you shove it in its mouth as it's trying to bite you. <laughs> yeah, totally. ah, I can't close my mouth or open it. I suck. In 1965, reported numbers from 1950 to 1969, there was an average of 300 divers at Kalimnos. 300 divers. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the same period, mm-hmm. 167 divers were paralyzed and 48 died. What? What? So two thirds of them died or were paralyzed. That leaves eighty five unaffected. <laughs> All for sponges. For your enjoyment in the bathtub. I don't use a sponge. <laughs> Robert Ducky, you're, you're the, the one. one. You make bath time so much fun. Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion to this episode of Caustic Soda. <laughs> <laughs>